0: Welcome to the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling. Now, we're going to prepare ourselves for a new week, the fourth week of Advent, Fourth Advent. And so we pray that the Lord will bless you. This is the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida, celebrating the week of Advent Four. Now, The interesting thing about the fourth week of Advent, in the readings, it gets a little bit more complicated. What do I mean by that? Because the readings will end with Christmas Eve. Now, Christmas Eve, as you know, falls on different days of the week. It's always within the week of fourth Advent. And it will fall within that seven-day period so that you will never have a situation where Christmas will be after the following Sunday. It could be on that Sunday, but it won't be on the following Monday. So when you're looking at your lectionary, make sure you keep that in mind. And so when we prepare ourselves for the fourth Sunday of Advent or the week of uh, the fourth week of Advent, We're looking this week at some very, very famous scriptures in Isaiah, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 29, 33, and 35, and 59. Now, these will be messianic, somewhat in tone, followed by a series of readings um, from Ephesians, Philippians, and Revelation, an interesting revelation. Remember, we were in Revelation several weeks ago. And now we pick up Revelation again and we're in Revelation 20 and 21 and 22 which are talking about heaven and our preparation for heaven. In fact, when I if if there was a situation where I was dying and would die soon, I would want somebody to read the 20, 20th, 21st and 22nd chapters of Revelation to me quite a bit because that's preparing me for moving in from this world to the next world and so there's a beautiful rendition of heaven in that, uh, in those chapters, 20, 21, and 22. Now, in our gospel readings for the week of 4 Advent, we're looking at John 3, John 5, and then we'll be looking at Luke chapter 1. And Luke chapter 1, uh, we will be looking at uh, preparation for the birth of Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to Isaiah 42 to kick this off, Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 12. So he's talking about the choosing of a servant. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. We call this a servant song, and there's four of them that refer to the servant. And the servant, of course, is Jesus. Now, if the Holy Spirit did not tell you that, and we did not go back through the Scriptures in the New Testament and know that, it is not as easy to pick that out. But that is what God is saying through Isaiah, the prophet. And he's talking about his servant. He will not cry aloud, chapter 42, verse 2, or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he's established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And so the servant is going to do some great things, okay? And he talks about in chapter 42, verse 6, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness, I will take you by the hand and lead you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind. Of course, Jesus does this. And, of course, in chapter 11, I love chapter 11 also. I love chapter 42. I love chapter 11 of Isaiah 1 through 9. He talks about the righteous branch, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his root shall bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He's talking again about the Messiah. Not obvious. Got to do a little bit of work, but that's what that's about. Then we go to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. Again, we're not reading consecutively. This is a special season. So the author is picking out some specific texts. 9 to 22 of Isaiah. To whom will he teach knowledge? To whom will he explain the message? See, it's important to know, what does all of this mean? What does all of this mean? Precept upon precept, verse 10. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. All right? This is rest. Gives rest to the weary. This is repose. But they would not hear. And the word of the Lord will be to them. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here, there, a little, verse 13. Okay. So the Word of the Lord is very important. And you don't want the Word of the Lord to be a snare. You want the Word of the Lord to be powerful. You want the Word of the Lord to be measured well, thought about. You want the Word of the Lord to be um, something that is um, taken very seriously. You want to obey the Word of the Lord. You You want to hear the Word of the Lord now, we go. We continue on in chapter 29 and 33 with the siege of Jerusalem. And we continue on with God being gracious to us. Again, be reading those scriptures. Listen very closely to what uh, the Lord is saying through those scriptures. If you don't understand exactly what it's about and it doesn't apply to you personally, that's okay. You just want to get a feel for what's going on at that time. And allow the God to speak to you. In chapter 35 on December the 24th, now we're at December the 24th, Christmas Eve. Okay, Christmas Eve. You have two scriptures there, Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 59. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. It's a beautiful scripture about, um, it says in the verse 10, the ransom shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Chapter 35 of Isaiah is a wonderful chapter, and it's very positive, and it's very uplifting, and it's it's used on really solemn occasions like this. Isaiah 59, which is also found on Christmas Eve, I'm guessing that is for the evening prayer and for the night. Isaiah 59, um, 15, uh, following 15 to 21. A Redeemer will come to Zion, verse 20, and those in Jacob who turn from transgression declares the Lord. So the Redeemer is going to come from Israel. The Redeemer is going to come from Uh, that area of the world. Many redeemers have been noted throughout history, but there's only one that has the power to save us all, and that's Jesus. Now, in in the New Testament readings, we have on Sunday, uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. That's the whole, um, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And then we go to, that's a good scripture. Uh, And then at the end of the, on Christmas Eve, we have Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You know, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And between that, we have Revelation 20. Now, I'm guessing all of you have read Revelation before. And uh, particularly the end, if you have not read Revelation, then I hope that you will enjoy, because Revelation, particularly in the middle chapters, is pretty difficult, as I was sharing earlier in the year. But chapter 20 is about, the throne of God and the defeat of Satan and the judgment before the great white throne. So it's kind of conclusion to the previous chapters. So Satan is going to be defeated. God is going to win. We are victorious. We will be with the Lord forever and ever. It will not be taken away from us. Satan cannot defeat us. Jesus has won the victory, and that's a very, very important thing. But there is going to be a judgment. There is going to be a judgment. I saw the dead, this is chapter 20, verse 12, great and small standing before the throne, and the books were open, and another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the book according to what they had done. So it's important what we do. Then he says in uh, chapter 20, verse 15, last verse. And if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire, which is what we call the second death. So your first death is your death in this life. Your second death is to go to hell. You don't want the second death. The first time you're born, you're born in Adam, and you're born, literally, made alive. But you're born again. Remember, Jesus talked about that in John chapter 3, you're born again from above. It's a supernatural action of God. Supernatural action of God to be born again. All right. Then we go to chapter 21. Chapter 21, the new Jerusalem, the new temple, the new city. It's going to be gorgeous. Can't wait. And then in chapter 22 is extended. Uh, We have this wonderful picture of the God and the Lamb and the streets of the city and the fruit. No longer will there be anything accursed. Chapter 22, verse 3, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. The servants will worship him. They shall see his face, verse 4, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he says these words are trustworthy and true. Behold, I am coming soon, verse 7. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Okay? And so we close with the last verse, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And he talks about Maranatha coming soon in verse 20. So as we move into Christmas Eve and prepare ourselves for the week of 4 Advent, We're looking at these wonderful scriptures in Isaiah and in Revelation. Then we go to Luke chapter 1. So go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is about the birth of John the Baptist. Okay? Luke chapter 1, 5 to 25, is about the birth of John the Baptist. Now his parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was barren. So the Bible says... In Luke chapter 1, verse 5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, okay, and then he explains that situation. Now the angel comes to him, do not be afraid, verse 13, chapter 1, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before the Lord. So this is a divine action of God on Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he's going to be great. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So God is going to do something great through John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to simply respond to what God is doing. Blessed be John the Baptist. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now Zechariah did not believe this so he was struck dumb he could not speak until John the Baptist was born. And what we find after that was this incredible series of verses in on Wednesday chapter 126 to 20 38, about the angel Gabriel going to Mary, famously going to Mary, who had been chosen by God to house, to tabernacle, to hold in her womb the eternal Son of God. And just think about that. For nine months, Jesus is going to have a normal birth and a normal gestation period, but He's upholding the universe while he's in the womb. I don't know how that happens, but that's what happened. And he was and is still, of course, the eternal Son of God. So he comes down from heaven to Bethlehem and is born of the Virgin Mary on Christmas Day, as all of you know, and that's Luke chapter 2. The Bible says in chapter 1 of verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, in verse thirty-five the angel says, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And incredibly, Elizabeth, your cousin, your relative, in her old age, has conceived a son. And it's the sixth month, and she was barren and had no possibility of bearing a child. So the birth of John the Baptist was miraculous. The birth of Jesus was beyond miraculous. Mary's answer is so good. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And after that, we see Mary visiting Elizabeth, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the baby responded to that extraordinary situation. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment what was spoken to her from the Lord. So what we have in this great first chapter is belief, non-belief, or unbelief. We have a miracle of God with John and Jesus. We have these two amazing women, Elizabeth and Mary. We have Mary's Magnificat, love the Magnificat, from 46 to 55. And then, of course, you have the birth of John, and then you have Zacharias Benedictus. Zacharias Benedictus from 67 to 80. So in chapter one, pretty long chapter, You have the praising of God from Mary, the praising of God from Zechariah. And by the way, when the baby was born, he said his name is going to be John. And then he had the Benedictus, what we call the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, verse 68, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And of course, the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. Behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And so the response from Mary and from Zechariah is one of praise. So as we get closer and closer to Christmas during that week of fourth Advent, we get closer and closer to Jesus. We get closer and closer to the reality that this baby is upholding the universe, created the universe, and is the son of God. And ultimately, as all of you know, at 33 years old approximately, he dies for our sins. He dies so that we can have eternal life with him. And so Luke, thankfully, and Matthew, Mark know, and John know. Um, Matthew has information about Jesus' early life, and so does Luke. And so as we prepare ourselves for Christmas Day, which we will celebrate, um, We pray that you would have a fabulous, fabulous Christmas Day, that you would have a tremendous preparation of the coming of the Lord, and as you continue your prayers in in Fourth Advent, that you would be prepared to hear the Word of the Lord and to celebrate with your church family the wonderful news that Christ has come. Lord God, bless your people as we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord at Advent and that when he comes, we all shall be ready to greet him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas to you all, and God bless you.